today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Publican. We don't touch those guys. No, his friends were all the rest of the rejects of the community. And as Mark brings out, they were sinners. And there was a lot of them. There was a great number of them. Can you imagine being one of the one of the newer disciples of Jesus right there? You think, man, Jesus is the holy, righteous one of God. How powerful this is. And all of a sudden you're sitting in this house and suddenly you're surrounded by all these sinners. Jesus is the only person to have ever lived a perfect and sinless life. However, the Lord is a friend to sinners. He dined with them when he walked on earth and sought them out to rescue them from the prison of sin. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us that if our Lord reached out to save that which was lost, we too should be doing the same. It is a dangerous thing to insulate ourselves entirely from the world in a holy bubble. For if we do, we cannot carry out the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, When the Call Comes. simply follow me. And there's no explanation of what that call meant. There's no introductory meeting to lay out the requirements to follow. Jesus says, follow me. And Levi left all and followed him. That's all Jesus said, but that's what, G- that's what Levi responded to. A man who had been scorned for his occupation, ridiculed, rejected by his own people, was suddenly not only acknowledged, but he was accepted and he was called into a very selective group. When Christ calls, he does not call us for our comfort, for our convenience, or for compromise. We are called to die, to die to self and die to selfish plans. That's the call for every believer. And if you're here today and you believe that being a Christian is something less, then you are, you're going to be sorely disappointed because that's not what the gospel message declares. He says all or nothing at all. In another place in Luke chapter 9, we read these words of Jesus. In verse 23, up a little bit earlier, Jesus said to them, how many? All. Jesus said to them all, if anyone, that's pretty inclusive right there too, isn't it? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross when it's convenient. I'm sorry, that's sometimes my version, I'm afraid. Let him deny himself, take up his cross 
daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Guys, these aren't just words to those who go into full-time vocational ministry. For those that decide, hey, I'm going to go off and be a missionary someplace. No, these, these are meant for those, again, who are called as the redeemed. That's for every one of us as believers. These are salvation words that the Savior is calling to all those who would follow after him. Are you truly following Jesus? Or do you simply acknowledge him as you go about your, your, your worldly activities of this life? There's, a, there's an eternal difference. Do you understand that? There's an eternal difference between acknowledging Christ and truly dying to self and following him. It's an eternal difference that I'm afraid too many in the church it's not been made clear. It's not been made evident to them. Being a true believer in Jesus Christ, it's not a death-defying act. It's a death-reality act. Jesus says a true believer has to deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow him. Why would we think we could do anything less and still consider ourselves as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Why, why would we think that we could live our lives following our own direction and still feel that we are part of the family of God? That's the easy believism, unfortunately, that the modern church has fallen for. Hook, line, and sinker. Jesus says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. He told Levi, follow me. And so he left all, rose up, and followed him. Not only did Levi follow after Jesus, but he wanted his friends to know Jesus too. And I love this part about the story. He throws his big party at his house, and he invites all of his friends. Go back to Luke chapter 5. In Luke 5, verse 29, we read it. It says in Luke 5, 29, then Levi gave him, gave Jesus, a big party at his own house. That's a great feast. That's what a great feast is, by the way. It's just a big party, okay? So Levi gave him a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors, oh, and others who sat down with him. Now, I know that there's going to be some problems a little bit later with the Pharisees in, in this event, in this party. But let's look at some of the good stuff first before we get there. As Levi began following Jesus, we see one of the first things to be impacted is also his home. Jesus was going to have an impact on his home. And to start it right off, Levi throws his big party and invites all of his friends. Luke tells us that it was a great number of tax collectors and others. But Luke doesn't say who the others are. But in Mark's gospel, and I love this, in Mark's gospel, he says that there were many tax collectors and 
sinners. There were sinners right there at his party. He had sinners in his house. He invited Jesus to his house, and he invites sinners to be there right with Jesus. Mark tells us many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. you got to understand, Levi wasn't churched up yet, okay? He, 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 he was still, you know, man, he, he's a new convert. He's a new believer. He didn't know the words or the tunes to any of the songs that they were singing. His language wasn't the dialect of the redeemed. No, he, he still was pretty well who Levi was. And these people were just like Levi was. They were tax collectors, and they were sinners. So what kind of sinners were they? Well, we know some were tax collectors. That's a pretty good sinner. You think maybe a prostitute or two were there? I think so. Maybe a thief was there, too. Maybe unscrupulous businessmen were there also. Because, you see, Levi's friends weren't the religious type because the religious type avoided Levi because he was a tax collector. He was a publican. We don't touch those guys. No, his friends were all the rest of the rejects of the community. And as Mark brings out, they were sinners. And there was a lot of them. There was a great number of them. Can you imagine being one of the, one of the newer disciples of Jesus right there? And you think, man, Jesus is the holy, righteous one of God. How powerful this is. And all of a sudden you're sitting in this house and suddenly you're surrounded by all these sinners right there. And everybody knows everybody. I, I know what her job is. I know how he conducts business. I've heard what they say about him or her or them. Jesus right there in the middle of them. What a great place for the Redeemer to be. Right in the middle of those who needed to be redeemed. What an awesome place. Why were they there? Because Levi decided to follow Jesus and he invited his friends to a party to meet Jesus. And Mark tells us there were many of them. But the other thing that Mark tells us was, and they followed him. And they followed him. You mean all these sinners got converted? I don't know, but many of them did. Maybe all of them. Why? Because they had the opportunity to meet Jesus. Why did they have the opportunity to meet Jesus? Because Levi would dare invite his friends to come and meet Jesus, to introduce them to the one who redeemed Levi, this publican. And if he can redeem me, maybe he can redeem you. Come and meet him. Come, I'm throwing a party at my house. They came. And you know what that is? That's just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Levi found life, and he wanted to invite his friends to that same life. And isn't that what our lives should be all about? As the redeemed, as the ones who have come to Christ, who know that our sin has been washed away, cleansed, and purified, not by anything that we've ever done, but because of the greatness of Christ. But the problem is, too many times, we get all cleaned up, we get all pretty up, and the only ones we want to hang with are others that are prettied up and cleaned up. 
rather than realizing we have life within us and we need to share that life with a lost and dying world. The problem is the enemy isn't happy when we do that, is he? As a matter of fact, he'll do everything that he can, everything within his power to dissuade you, to distract you from being obedient to that call. It happened with Jesus. Why wouldn't it happen with you? Still here in Luke chapter 5, we read that in verse 30, that the scribes and the Pharisees, they, they complained against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and, and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've come to call the righteous I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. As these scribes, as these Pharisees complained, who did they complain against? They didn't go to Jesus. No, they went to his disciples. They started saying, why do you guys sit here and eat and drink with all of these sinners? But the response came from Jesus to these ones. Jesus responded directly, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now you need to understand that Jesus isn't saying that the scribes and the Pharisees were well. He was not saying that they were righteous. No, that's not what he's saying. They, they, they were not righteous. They were not well. What he spoke and how he spoke was more or less just tongue-in-cheek kind of a statement. He knew that these men, that these scribes and Pharisees, they considered themselves to be well. They considered themselves to be righteous, and so they had no need of Jesus. They didn't believe that they had any problems. They certainly didn't have any spiritual sickness. They were Pharisees. They were scribes. They were religious rulers. But you know what? These tax collectors and these sinners, they knew they needed salvation. And Jesus says, that's why I'm here. Jesus didn't fall into the trap of the scribes and the Pharisees. He simply played into their game. Since the Pharisees didn't have a shot left, they had to change the subject. And you see how they changed the subject very quickly in verse 33. Then they, the Pharisees, said to him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? And then he, Jesus, said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. And in essence, what Jesus was saying, that, that, that currently, while he's with the disciples, they're not going to be fasting. They're going to be celebrating the idea that they are with me. But there's going to come a time, and it's going to come soon, that I'll be gone. And at that point in time, they'll, they'll be fasting. Don't worry about that. But Jesus went on to explain to them in some parables. In verse 36, then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece of new garment on an old one, otherwise the new one may tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine in old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says the old is better." All three of these saying, in essence, the same thing. All three of these speaking to these Pharisees that were caught up in this old mindset. 
in an old tradition, an old ritual, and an old misunderstanding of who God is and what he desires in their lives. And Jesus comes up and he explains to them, you know what, if you have a garment that's been worn for a while, it's been washed a number of times and it gets a a tear in it, well, it's probably shrunk all that it's going to shrink. And if you take a new piece of material and in that new piece of material, you sew over that hole that's in your garment and then you go to wash it, well, the old has already shrunk all it's going to, but now the new is going to shrink. And when it shrinks, it's just going to tear a bigger hole in that garment. You can't sew on. You can't patch it with the new. He speaks about wineskins. These old wineskins, they've already been stretched by the wines that had previously been in them. In a new wineskin, you put the new wine so that when the fermentation takes place, the new skin swells and stretches out. And then once that is stretched out, it's stretched all that it can. And if you, after that's empty, you pour new wine into that and fill it up and seal it, and the wine begins to ferment, it has no more room to stretch, and so it's going to be ripped out again. And then he speaks that the old wine was the preferred wine as far as the taste, as far as all the fermentation process. New wine wouldn't taste the same. Neither would it have the same effect on the one that was drinking it. Now, Jesus is telling these men that their ways and that their understanding is old, and that the message that he has, the the, the gospel message that he has, the one that he's bringing to them is new, and it has life, and they wouldn't be able to make it fit into their way of thinking. What did Jesus say to his disciples? He says, I'm not bringing you that old covenant. No, I'm bringing you a new covenant a new work. God was going to be doing a new thing. And these scribes and these Pharisees, they said, this isn't fitting in our belief system. No, it won't. You had to change your belief system. You need to understand, Jesus did not come to reform Judaism. Jesus came to bring new life and the new message that he is the one who through him, life, eternal life, is available through him. And that new message wasn't going to fit into the traditions, into the rituals of Judaism. He didn't come to revive the old covenant. He didn't come to change the practice of Judaism. He came to bring that new covenant and with it more understanding of who God was. And they weren't going to be able to fit this new covenant into the wineskin of the old. It simply wouldn't work. Everything had to be made new. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new, is what the word speaks to us. The Pharisees and the scribes, they were stuck in this old tradition of the law. Because of that, they couldn't hear. Because of that, they couldn't even be moved by that wooing or by that leading of the Holy Spirit. For them, the commanding force in their life was the traditions of the fathers, the rituals of ceremony the temple worship, and they, had, they themselves were even led by their own prejudices and by their own fears. Now you need to understand there's, there's nothing wrong with tradition or ritual as long as it's directed by and under the control of the Holy Spirit, as long as it doesn't take precedence over the truth of God's word and the move of God's spirit. But a church And an individual has to be willing to change when the Spirit of God calls for them to change. The placard on the front of too many churches 
is like a tombstone that says, we've never done it this way before. And it'll kill you as an individual. It'll kill us as a church. Levi, or Matthew, was called to follow Jesus, and he did so without pause. And as he followed, he, he looked for opportunities to introduce his friends to the Savior. His call was direct. His response was quick. And yet I know that it wasn't easy, it wasn't comfortable, and it wasn't convenient. Too often today, in the church, people are called to an easy believism. An easy believism. Do you realize that easy believism is a rather recent phenomena within the church? And it finds its home in cultures where there's very little persecution for the faith. And in various cultures, it appears on the outside to cost an individual very little to follow Jesus. And it's construed to mean that my personal commitment to the Lord can be partial. It can be surface. It can be temporary. It can be transient. And yet that's not the call of Jesus. Historically, when you look at those who come to Christ, true believers, they changed from their culture. They were no longer citizens of this world. They were citizens of the next. And their lives showed that. Their lives were a demonstration that this world has nothing for me because I'm an alien here. This is not my home. I'm just a passing through. That's the mindset. That's the heart set that we as believers ought to have. But the unfortunate thing is too many in the church today in our culture have been called to easy believism that says just acknowledge Jesus as your Savior and you're fine. You got it. Here's your ticket. You're going to heaven. But I don't find that when I study the Word of God. In the Word of God, I see die daily. In the Word of God, I see giving my all in order that the Savior might be all. In the Word of God, I see that the old things of my life are passed away. I've got a new vision. I've got a new direction. And I want to be moved. I want to be led. I want to be directed by his spirit within my life. And sometimes that leading is going to be inconvenient. Sometimes, most often, it's going to be uncomfortable. And always, it's going to be without compromise. Follow me, Jesus said. Okay, can I do it Tuesday? Follow me, Jesus says. Okay, kind of, but can I still do this? Follow me, Jesus said. Levi left all, rose up, and followed him. Do you think Jesus expects anything less in your life and in mine to be his follower? The call of Jesus is to come and die. He came to call us out of the traditions of men and into the life of the Spirit. Do you acknowledge Jesus? Or do you truly follow him? Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. 
Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word. from we-